WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I am Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live from a snowy and freezing near sub-zero downtown Indianapolis at the WTLC and Hot 96.3 Studios. Right now, it is one, count them, one degree, not even degrees, just one degree outside. That's how cold it is on this Super Sunday, February 7th. 2021 and we start this morning with a big thank you to the drivers at DPW and NDOT who are in their trucks right now taking care of the roads of course the side streets where you live look like a skating rink but the interstates and those major roads are absolutely clear at least the ones I rode on this morning in my short little 10 minute ride uh, downtown on the interstate but it is looking good and we know that that would not happen without the DPW and NDOT drivers who have been working around the clock to make sure we can get to where we got to go safely this morning we've got a lot to talk about we are watching the state house there's a lot of things uh that are going on that you need to pay attention to particularly if you live inside the good city of Indianapolis there are a number of bills being proposed at the state house that impact you and only you just you this they're not concerned about Hamilton County or Johnson County or Gary or South Bend or Evansville or Bloomington or Muncie or Anderson anything in between just Indianapolis why is that why is that We're going to dig into some of that this morning as we pay attention to the following bills. Senate Bill 168, Senate Bill 141, Senate Bill 392, and now 148 from last year are all front and center. Senate Bill 168 is the one we've told you about. That's the IMPD takeover. Senate Bill 141 is the bill that uh, would make life difficult for Indigo and any plans of expansion that they have. Senate Bill 392 would change the rezoning rules in Marion County. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that. We did a little research and asked some questions. And then coming up here at 830, we're going to focus on Senate Bill 148, which was actually proposed last election season in 2020. That is the Landlord, Tenants, and Mobile Homes Bill. And there's no real issue with the mobile homes issue. It's the Landlord and Tenants uh, part that uh, Governor Holcomb uh, had vetoed last year because he didn't like it. But guess what? The great state of Indiana has a supermajority of Republicans in both the House of Representatives and the Indiana Senate. Therefore, if they don't even like what the governor uh, has vetoed or said, the governor's only vetoed two things in his uh, one first term and uh, first 37-some days of his second term. But because there is a Republican majority, uh, they can override his veto. So coming up this morning at 830, Prosperity Indiana We'll join us live, Andrew Bailey and Natalie James. We're going to focus on that bill because um, the Republicans over at the State House uh, slipped this into the schedule on a Friday night when I wasn't paying attention uh, for a a meeting and a hearing that's going to happen Monday morning. But the folks at Prosperity Indiana caught that. And they have several things that they want to talk about what they're asking people to do because uh, Without having this renters and tenants protection, if you live uh, anywhere in the state, basically, if you got a slumlord, sorry, you're just kind of stuck with what they want to do. What Mayor Joe Hawk said of Indianapolis wanted to do last year, and, and in fact, they did start, was they gave uh, tenants more rights and tenants rights for protection. It required uh, that if you've got a slumlord and you report it to the city or you call me as a news reporter and talk show host to say, hey, this guy isn't doing what he's supposed to do. If that landlord tries to retaliate against you, there are ordinances in the city of Indianapolis that will protect you. But the Senate bill that the Republicans wanted to put through would say, nope. City can't even enforce those rules. 
they got to get permission from the state to do it. So basically, if you live in a private residence, like if you're renting from someone that's not public housing, but if you're renting from an, in an apartment or you're renting from your cousin or your aunt or whoever, and they're not doing what they're supposed to do, Indianapolis wanted to give you some protection. But this bill goes across the whole state and says, nope, we're, you're, we're not doing that. It's a private residence. That's what the landlord wants to do, essentially. That's what they get to do. We'll talk more about that coming up at 830. But between now and then, we want to focus on these other bills. Senate Bill 168, 141, 392, and 148. Well, that one was from last year. So 168, 141, and 392 if you're keeping a a tab here at home. Uh, And between now and then, I want to hear your thoughts on these bills. Call me, 317-239-9696. We've talked a bit on this show and on Tina's show about Senate Bill 168. That's the bill that would uh, create a state takeover of IMPD. Uh, that would create a state board of five members of police commissioners, quote unquote. Uh, that would consist of four members appointed by the governor. And then the mayor of Indianapolis would be on that board. So based off of this language, only one person uh, who would oversee IMPD would be a person you actually elect. Not to say that um, there couldn't be more, but the way this is worded, it says it's administered by a five-member state board of police commissioners. That means they could put whoever they want on there. And then the, uh, and they're all appointed by the governor. And then the mayor of Indianapolis would also be on that board. That's Senate Bill 16A. That's being proposed by Senator Jack Sandlin, who you remember came on the show, I think it was uh, two weeks ago. So, again, respect to him for doing that. And I'll tell you why uh, here in a second. Uh, Senator Scott Baldwin and Senator Aaron Freeman. A couple of these names you're going to hear several times this morning because they their name is on the author line of a number of bills that I am focusing on. I just told you about Senator Aaron Freeman. Well, he is the author of Senate Bill 141, which uh, focuses on Indigo. Um, We're not talking about transportation in other Indiana cities, really. This is focused on Indigo. And what it does, in short, as simple as I can explain it, is if Indigo doesn't raise a certain amount of funds, which let me be clear, right now, they are raising those funds. They are meeting that mark. So... What this bill would do is say, hey, if for some reason like, oh, um, a pandemic and your ridership were to drop. Well, then there would also be a penalty, because if your ridership drops, ridership drops, uh, that means that your um, funds likely drop. So if ridership drops, funds drop. And if your funds are dropping, there is a penalty for not meeting a certain threshold. So. So, yeah, you heard that, right? If you're already short, if you come up short on your money, we're going to penalize you and take away more money. And then on top of that, uh, if you can't meet those requirements, we're not going to allow you to continue to expand. So that means uh, the purple and blue line would be in jeopardy. This is money that's already come from um, the federal government um, to allow bus rapid transit, something that um, every study and every person um, who doesn't have a car will tell you uh, we need in the great city of Indianapolis. We need mass transit the way it is, for lack of a better word, it sucks. But thanks to the great folks at Indigo, they're working on making it better. And not just the great folks at Indigo, you as residents of Indianapolis voted in 2016 to expand mass transit. You already voted for it. It passed widely. But because Senator Aaron Freeman says His folks over on the east side are not fans of Washington Street losing a lane of traffic. He's doing what he can. He was very candid about this, saying he's not against mass transit. He's not against buses. He doesn't like this uh, blue line going through his district, taking away a lane of traffic, because he says that's what the people on the uh, east side told him they wanted him to do when he was reelected this past fall. He says he told me out of his own mouth, Cameron. This isn't about the purple line. That didn't even go through my district. He said the red line is what it is. Um, He said, I'm not against buses. I'm not against mass transit. My people told me they don't want the blue line. So that's why this bill would would specifically, uh, specifically is a 
uh, kind of a body of water, I guess, but specifically would uh, prohibit Marion County from creating additional Indigo bus rapid transit line if those revenue requirements that I've explained to you are not met. Senator Aaron Freeman. Um, and then this new bill that just popped up on the radar past couple of days, Senate Bill 392, uh, which would start to change the rezoning processes here in here in Marion County. So back in 1969, 1970, there was this little thing called IndyGov, which made the great city of Indianapolis almost the entirety of Marion County, with the exception of leaving Speedway, Beach Grove, and Lawrence as their own city. But that's why we have the city county council, because the city runs the entire county. What that did was expanded the border of Indianapolis. So before, basically, if you were to look at a map of Indianapolis in 1969, it today mirrors the school district lines of IPS, because back then IPS served pretty much all of Indianapolis at that time. Uh, what it left were these township lines and the schools left the township lines where they are. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with schools, but what it does is it goes back, takes in uh, Unigov consolidated all nine of those township offices where you you remember they used to have individual fire departments. You know, Pike and uh, Wayne and Decatur still have their own fire departments, but also are served by IFD. But back in the day, you used to have the, the Perry Township Fire Department and the Washington Township Fire Department and, and so on and so forth. You had the uh, Perry Township Government Center. You still have that, but all they really do is... Uh, trustees and small claims courts, you know, each district, each township still has those small township operations, but they don't really do anything else. Everything we do, no matter if you live at uh, Stop 11 in Shelby or if you live at 86th in College or if you live at uh, 10th Street in Raceway or if you live at uh, 30th and Midhoffer. You're all in the great city of Indianapolis. You're in different townships. And so you re your requests of everything you need is handled by the city of Indianapolis. This bill, now that I've explained what happened in the 60s, this bill peels back a layer in reversing that. Senate Bill 392 um, changes, gives the townships and those cities, Speedway, Beach Grove, and Lawrence, the power to determine what is zoned in that area. Basically, that, that means they control what goes on what land and where and what type it is and what it has to look like. So right now, let's say you want to build a Kroger or you want to build an apartment complex. If you um, want to do that, you've got to file that request with the city of Indianapolis, no matter where you are in Marion County, even if you're in Lawrence. But what this bill would do is say, let's say you want to open a uh, apartment complex across from... Uh, Ben Davis, there's no room to do that. But hypothetically, if you were going to do that, this bill would say you take that up with the Wayne Township Government Center. And if you want to open a McDonald's on um, 30th and Post, well, now you're in Warren Township. So you follow that with the Warren Township Government Center. If you want to open a Kroger at uh, Arlington and Thompson Road, well, now you're in Franklin Township. You follow that with them. If you want to open this, uh, open something at... Um, uh, Emerson and um, uh, 25th Street. Now you're in Beach Grove. You take that up with uh, Beach Grove. So this creates 11 different layers of bureaucracy that starts to give power back to the local townships and the cities of Lawrence Speedway or Southport. Uh, this says that they have exclusive territory within their cities to determine what goes there zoning-wise. And then the townships except Center Township, has the exclusive authority within that area of the township um, to decide whatever goes in there. The exception is Center Township would still be run by the city of Indianapolis. So you're creating uh, 11 different offices of bureaucracy just to um, determine what goes where. Why would you want to do that? It's already been streamlined to where you go to one place. We're all one city, one county. You go to one place, you get it done. But they want to add 10 offices for you to go through. And the city of Indianapolis uh, just the other day uh, said that uh, 
as written, Senate Bill 392 would create more problems than it would solve. The city did not ask for this. So why would you start to unravel Unigov? This, you know, I asked uh, the, the senator these questions. I, I reached out to the senators um, who wrote this bill. Again, that's from Senator Michael Young, Aaron Freeman, and Kyle Walker. I started with Aaron Freeman and said, hey, would you mind coming on open lines on Sunday and explaining this 392 business because I don't get it. Uh, Senator Freeman is out of town with his family, so he couldn't be here this morning. Um, but his office directed me back over to Senator Michael Young, who is the original, is the what they call the first author of the bill. So his name comes up first. We reached out to um, Senator Michael Young's office to see, hey, would you come on open lines and explain this Senate Bill 392 because it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the senator was not available, uh, telling me that um, Sunday mornings at eight would not be are, are not a good time for Mr. Young. Nevertheless, I still ask those questions. I sent the request of questions to both of their office. Senator Freeman's folks again sent me to Senator Young. And so I asked Senator Young, OK, fine, if you can't come on the radio show, that's fine. All right. It's not fine, but I'll what am I going to do? So I sent a couple of questions to him. Question one, what is Senate Bill 392, and does it essentially redraw the boundaries of Indianapolis, which were established by Indigo? And question two, why are you proposing Senate Bill 392? Well, guess what? He did get back to me with a nice written statement on a lovely little letterhead, um, and I asked for that so I could still read it to you when I talk uh, about this this Sunday, and he says... Senate Bill 392 absolutely would not in any way redraw the boundaries of Indianapolis. Today, all variances, which is, let's just say something that is handled by the counties um, when it comes to zoning and planning, uh, are heard by the Marion County Variance Board. Uh, excluded are the towns of Speedway, Lawrence, but they still must go through uh, several steps to receive uh, information and zoning and permission for economic development. He says this new process would improve efficiency by allowing each of these cities, and he left out uh, townships, but to have their own variance boards instead of requiring their issues to be decided by Marion County. He says this bill would allow these excluded cities, towns, and townships to make decisions for their own community. Again, those decisions are already being made by the city county council and opening uh, another branch of local government, the Perry Township, the Washington Township, the Warren Township, Pike Township, they don't handle this. That office does not even exist. There's nobody like, hey, man, we could do our zoning ourselves. That office doesn't exist. This would be the first opportunity to create another layer of government on local government and take power away or responsibilities or duties, however you want to word it, away from the Indianapolis City County Council. Why would anybody want to do that to a city that's been doing it since 1969? Uh, what changed? Why is that? Why have they done that? You know, this is a, a large city. We are the 17th largest city in the country. Uh, if you were to now, he says he's not redrawing the, the borders of Indianapolis. But let's just say hypothetically that Indianapolis was reduced just to center township. What would that do to the city? Because that's what some people think that, that this bill lays the groundwork for is eventually, if you've got a one layer of government there already, you start to add another layer. Well, you know what? Now the townships are going to handle road improvement. Now the townships are, are going to handle water and power. Once you've got that level of government there, it starts to make a difference. And then once you have each township deciding what goes where, that could impact somebody like Indigo, who right now just needs permission uh, from the city of Indianapolis to get something done. Then they've got to go through uh, nine different townships, uh, 11 different organizations when you count Speedway, Lawrence, and Beach Grove just to get something done. Where it's one-stop shop right now, hey, you get the approval of the council and the mayor, boom, you're good to go. Senate Bill 392 could start to lay the groundwork to where, hey, no matter what you do, you got to check with um, the local townships 
Phone lines are hot, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. I want to know what you think about these bills and why they are trying to put all of this through. Why all this focus on this big Democrat city that is run by all Democrats, that has a large portion of black and brown voters? Why is all of this happening? Call me, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Anthony, let's take a quick break right now. Uh, so that we can uh, go to break for a quick three minutes and then come back and answer these calls before we uh, spend the rest of the hour talking about these bills now that we've got you all caught up on what they mean. More of the Open Line Show is coming up in just a second here on Hot 96.3 and 106.7 WTLC. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Keeping you connected to what's happening in our city. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. And welcome back. This is Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman. A little Shanice for you, bringing us back. Just, just realized she's married to uh, Flex Alexander slash Flex Washington. Flat app. Ah, uh, cold this morning here in the good city of Indianapolis. However, uh, still a lot that we've got to talk about. We're watching uh, what is coming out of the state house. I've just talked to you. Uh, sharing the information, the facts about the bill, uh, giving you a little bit of context of what folks, what the writers and authors of that bill have told me their intentions are with that bill. You know, Senator Aaron Freeman making it very clear, that Indigo thing, that's all about the blue line. Uh, The Senator Jack Sandlin came on the show a couple of weeks ago and told us his reasoning on why they think the state needs to run IMPD. And then the answer I got on why we need to rezone Indianapolis is apparently to make it easier. But I don't know how going from one way to do something from 10 ways to do something uh, is efficient. And the city of Indianapolis, in their own words, doesn't know why either. They say it creates more problems than answers. Why is this happening? We'll turn the question over to you. Uh, 317-239-9696. Our callers have been patient while I did a little monologue today. Because uh, I had a lot of information. So let's turn it over to the phones for about 10 minutes. And then we've got Prosperity with Indiana coming up. And we will continue this conversation throughout the rest of the hour. So we're not really changing uh, topics. We're just adding uh, one to the pot. So let's go to the phones. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live this on the air. Uh, Larry Vaughn, please. Morning, you know, Larry. this is a part of the property tax caps, uh, Cameron, if people are not looking at that, but what they've done with property taxes, they took corporations off the hook. And now they're trying to, uh, trying to, to, to isolate Center Township so that it can be easily liquidated. That was the bill, the first thing Mitch Daniels done when he was the governor, right? He, uh, passed, they passed the Senate bill so that cities could be liquidated, like Detroit was liquidated. And sold out all of these new apartment buildings, all of the uh, uh, entertainment venues uh, slowed down now so that they could be liquidated. When the uh, bond uh, dividends are not being paid on them, uh, people are going to call for their uh, for their principles. So I don't know whether you understand that or not, but we're looking at the emotional part of it. And as far as it goes with the... Uh, with, with the uh, police takeover by the state of Indiana, sure they want to take that over because Center Township is going to be a corporatocracy. It is going to have corporate headquarters and uh, certain corporations that are going to have their own security. So the only other element that's going to be uh, for policing on a, a human level is going to be a situation where uh, you're going to have the state of Indiana coming in, taking jurisdiction over people there in Indiana, and you got de facto judges anyway. You know, when you have uh, uh, any entity or agency uh, that's appointed by a governor or by a board, that's what you call a de facto government because we don't get any chance at any level to have input as voters. But what's happening in the uh, city of Indianapolis 
that's being isolated so that it can be liquidated and a receiver can be appointed. So we're looking at something uh, you want to really study, uh, Cameron, study the Middle Ages, the zoning changes, so that uh, these old townships can set up their own systems and charge whatever they want and control the construction in their actual township. So it's nothing new. If we're looking at it the wrong way. We don't see statutory schemes develop. Sometimes it takes uh, 20, 30 years for those schemes to develop. But when they do finally come to the forefront, why, that's when everything's in place to have things done legally. So either like it or not, that's what's happening. Guess what, Larry? I agree. I agree with you. I'm, there you go. I'm read. I'm reading the bills, and 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 simply this is what it's about: is the state takeover. That's fact. That's fact. I'm questioning. What I want to know is the motivation, because they it's written in plain black and white. This is what we're doing. These are state takeovers and state laws. The city county council and the mayor haven't asked for this. This is the state. Larry, thank I'll you give very you. Much. I'll give you the emotional answer, and that is that they can't take it. When you have somebody like Bob Osley that may become mayor of the city of Indianapolis, they're not going to have, uh, uh, I'm going to say, colored man in charge of the IMP, uh, of the public safety budget. They can't do that, Cameron, and they're not going to do it. And they can't have a city council, which is a ceremonial council right now because they have so many uh, black members in the Democrats that are in charge. But I don't see how you can expect anything else. These people are working in our own interest. Uh, as uh, black people, we've not worked in our own interest. We've tied our wagon to everybody, the, the Hispanics. The Hispanics are laughing at us because they're taking our job, and I don't blame them, and they're taking our place. So uh, we just have to understand, Cameron, only All right. the strong survive. All right. Thank you, Larry. Got more calls coming through. Appreciate it, sir. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. And, you know, guys, as I go back to the phones, this stuff is important to pay attention even when it's introduced. You know, we can't wait until, well, let's see what happens because it doesn't matter. Uh, at the city level, they've got a Democratic majority. So Democrats can basically do whatever they want. But over at the state house. Uh, there is a super majority. They control the House, the Senate, and, of course, the governor's office. Uh, in the House, there are 50 members who serve two-year terms. We have 67 Republican representatives, 33 Democrats. In the Senate, there are 100 members who serve four-year terms, 40 Republicans, 10 Democrats. That's why it's important. That's why they are able to even overrule and override Governor Eric Holcomb. Back to the phone lines, 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Cameron, good morning. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? All right. This is Tim, man. Good to hear from you, sir. Man, let me tell you real quick. I was on the Warren Township Board when we put our fire department in the IFD. We did a takeover out here in 94. It was all Republican. And, you know, I'm not going to explain why we did it, but it, it, it was better for the taxpayers. And I will say Larry's about 80% right of what he's talking about when it comes down to the taxes. But something else I want your listening audience to know. Jack Sandlin and Freeman, one's from Perry Township, the other one's from Franklin Township. They're one of the only two townships the Democrats don't hold that I, that I can remember. But anyway, You're about right. Mm-hmm. When these guys were city county councilors, they were a thorn in Marion County side just because, you know, then they get over to the state house and what happened over at the state house is they took uh, the city county council over there and we got rid of our at large because see the Democrats were taking that over. So now that we have taken over the city county council, even in districts so a couple of districts that they didn't think that the Democrats were gonna win. The Republicans will never, if the voters educate themselves and do the right thing in Marion County no matter who the candidates are, Republicans will never get this council back. So that's what this move is. This move is to get stuff done that they can't get done at the council level. And if you don't know, as far as a listener, a lot of the rules for township government, and I was on that board for eight years over here in Warren Township, a lot of the rules that are in township government that people wonder why they do this and why they do that, it comes from the state. So voters, educate yourself. Watch what's going on, and you better watch the city county council, too, in my opinion. And I'm an elected Democrat and have been since 1992. So, Tim? One more thing. If Paul's listening, call Cameron. 
get my number. I need to talk to you, Paul. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tim. I uh, appreciate it, sir. Um, and, you know, Tim just pointed it out. Uh, you know, Jack Sandlin and Aaron Freeman were once Indianapolis, Marion County, city, county counselors. But when you got that Democrat majority, which has only gotten larger now, you can't do anything. So if you're trying to legislate Indianapolis, you know, folks will say that's the city county council's job. Well, you can't get anything done. So where do you go? To the other side of Market Street where you have a Republican supermajority and you can get what you were trying to do as a city county councilor done at the state level. That's really what it is. I mean, these aren't secrets. These aren't, you know, I'm not making assumptions like that. That's what happened. They were city county councilors. Can't get anything done over there. Boom. Let's go to the other side of Market Street where we got a little bit more support. It's a smart thing to do. It's what I would have done. 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Let's take another call before we take another break and have Prosperity in Indiana to bring us up to speed on Senate Bill 148. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning, Cameron. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Here. Good to hear and, uh, from you, sir. Yeah, uh, Larry and the other gentleman did put things in uh, I would call a scholastic form, but I'm, I'm going to put it in layman's terms for our community and, and the people can see. Uh, what we've had going on, people, in this country for, uh, I would say, probably since where Reagan started, going back in, in my day that I can remember, but if you go back to Newt Gingrich and the so-called Republican Revolution, any of you guys who had political science in college or even you new ones now studying it, you need to go back and read that. You need to go back and read what, what the, the onus was on that. And so this is a microcosm of that macrocosm. We have little bitty coup d'etats. What you saw January 6th, uh, that was just an exercise in impotence. Because when you want to coup d'etat, the pen is more powerful than the sword. And a lot of those dumb folks that was in D.C. on January understand that. So that's what we had. It's all about uh, taking power. Mm-hmm. They're complaining about what's going on in Miramar and stuff like that right now. They're doing it, they're doing it right here. You know, it's awful funny that, and, I'll, and this comes from D.C. Curry. I heard D.C. Curry talking, and I'll be done. You know, you have all type of things that go on that affect black people's ability to live. And this is from Don D.C. Curry, the comedian. This ain't from me. And we have the illustrious ministers, T.D. Jakes, everyone else, who want to fly to Africa, fly everywhere else, where they don't want you, Indonesia, where they don't want you. And we don't hear them open their mouth and say a thing about police brutality, about the usurping of voting in Georgia, the usurping of voting in Indiana, these type of things that go on here. I can't get none of the local ministers uh, who call themselves being on TV all the time, I won't even say their names, to say a word about these type of things. But it's always about somebody being shot on the other side of town. Okay, this is the, this is, we have coup d'etats going on, people, in this country. It's nothing but coup d'etats. Look up what a coup is. Okay, this is all that they want to do because they don't want anybody to share. Why wouldn't they be able to get anything done at the city-county level when they were city-county councils? If they were bipartisan and if they compromised, then they could get things done. But certain people, a large part of the Republican Party, do not believe in compromise. That's why I'm upset with the Democrats talking about this means testing for giving out these stimulus checks. You, don't, you do not compromise with a fool. You put a fool in this place. And so that's a disappointment right there. But, but look around the country. It's coup d'etat. And that's all it is, people. And in our numbers, we can talk about voting and what we make a difference all we want to. We are 44, 45 million people. There is no way in the world on the local level in all these states around here that we can do anything to usurp the power. And this country is not a United Snakes. It's a federation of states. That's what it is. It's states' rights. All right. And we have no power with it. And thanks for taking my call. All right. Appreciate it, sir. Uh, more of Open Lines is coming up as we continue to talk about the changes uh, that could be coming your way. When we come back, uh, we will be talking with Prosperity Indiana. They are focusing all of their attention on Senate Bill 148, which gets rid of the uh, tenant protections against landlords. Even the governor didn't want this. He vetoed it, but I told you there's a super majority over at the state house, and they said, don't worry about that, governor. We're going to push it through anyway. Why? Because we got the numbers to do it, and we will do it. But there are people who are trying to stop them. We'll talk to them on the other side of this very quick break. You're listening to Open Lines.
We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. Let's get back to Open Lines, your eye on the community on Hot 96.3. And we are back. This is Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. We are watching the State House. We are watching that space this morning because there is a lot going on. Folks over there messing around and trying to make some changes that will happen right under your eye if you don't pay attention. One of the things that they are working hard to do is something that even the governor, Eric Holcomb, didn't want to do last year. It was Senate Bill 148, and that would take away any tenant protections that you might have if you got an issue with a landlord and you decide to give Cameron at Channel 6 to call to come out and look at how bad the situation is and your landlord's not doing anything while I put him on the news. Well, then the landlord comes back and gets mad at you, and they put you out, or worse, or, you know, they're messing with you. Indianapolis was trying to stop that. They were going to put in laws so that, hey, you you can't mess with tenants like that. They do have some rights. But the Republicans over at the State House said, no, no, no. It is a private property. Landlord, let them do their thing. We're not getting involved with that. And, and if a city wants to get involved with that, um, they need to uh, come get permission from the state. Let me pull that bill up uh, for you. It's right here in my large pile of papers that I did all my homework on and all these bills last night. Um, you know, this bill is, is, is really, it's a, it's a, out of all the bills that I've read to you, this actually is the longest one. Um, but the part that we care about is really only like three sentences. The uh, Senate bill 148 majority talks about uh, mobile homes and the requirements and, and what it says you need to have. But at the bottom of this huge paragraph, like, you know, we talked about 168, those fit on three, those three bills, 141, 168, and 392, all fit on one paper. Senate Bill 148 is its own paper. That's how long it is. But it's only the last two sentences that are actually controversial. Governor didn't have a problem with the uh, mobile home part of it. He has an issue with the part that prohibits, and I read, a local unit of government from regulating Uh, aspects of a tenant-landlord relationship with respect to a privately owned real estate property located located in the unit unless the regulation is authorized by the General Assembly. Real technical talk here. Uh, But it prohibits a landlord from taking certain retaliatory actions in response to a tenant engaging in one or more enumerated protected activities. That's where you reach out to the city. That's where you reach out uh, to Cameron Riddle at Channel 6 because you're looking for help. This gives you, uh, this says that, you know, if somebody were to retaliate against you, Indianapolis is trying to stop the retaliation. The state says, "Eh, nah, go ahead. You can do what you want to do at your house. Uh, But it prohibits a local unit, which would be the city of Indianapolis, from adopting or enforcing any ordinance or regulation concerning uh, those retaliatory acts made by landlords. So essentially all you could do is then the city can't do anything. So you have to call Channel 6. You have to call Cameron Riddle to come out and you have to call open lines and complain about it because the city can't help you. So then we have to do what we can to point out the bad situation. People also trying to point this out, working very hard uh, on a weekend, on a sub-zero temperature weekend, which makes it all more important, are the folks from Prosperity, Indiana. They join us on our live line right now uh, this morning. Natalie James, who is the coalition builder from Prosperity, Indiana, and Andrew Bradley, who is the policy director, both join us on our live line. Brad, uh, excuse me, Andrew, Natalie, good morning. Good morning. So glad to to have you here with us. Uh, you guys are working hard. You know, this bill, uh, courtesy, I, I was already planning on doing this show about the other bills that I've spent the majority of the show talking about, 168, 141, and 392. But I got a message from Natalie, uh, an email early Saturday morning, alerting me to what is happening with uh, 141. 
Uh, this came in on a Friday night, and the senators want to work on it Monday morning. Tell us about it. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely, Cameron. Um, so, yes, I definitely emailed you about uh, Senate Bill 148, which if folks are looking for it, it's called Senate Enrolled Act or SEA 148. Um, and I will let Andrew go into the details of the bill and then I can um, kind of come up after him and talk about the effects on the community. Andrew, it's yours. Thanks so much, Cameron. So as Natalie mentioned, this bill uh, came up last year from 2020, mm-hmm. and to Governor Holcomb's credit, he vetoed it, saying that it was too broad. It would preempt uh, any aspects of the landlord-tenant relationship, anything having to do with uh, tenants' rights, uh, retaliation, and the ability for local uh, cities and counties to be able to address housing stability issues on their own. He also said that it wasn't the right time to have a bill like this come up. It came up at the last minute of the last session, right as COVID was coming on the scene. And so the governor cited that public health emergency. Well, that public health emergency is still going on, but we received notice late on Friday that the Senate was planning to take up a vote to override this veto on Monday itself. And with a simple majority in the Senate and the House, it becomes law immediately. So it would expand and expedite those evictions uh, just at a time where we're in what's called a white flag weather event. So people could be put out on the street with new forms of eviction uh, when during the middle of sub-zero temperatures. And as you said, this could happen this week, if this, this law goes into effect immediately, as I look over, it is literally one degree right now in Indianapolis. And when I first heard that they were going to put uh, SEA 148 back up, I was like, you know, the governor said, hey, the pandemic is not the right time uh, to put a bill like this into law. And then I thought, well, it's now February. I don't think the pandemic is over. So I suppose some people think that it's over. Nothing changed. It wasn't the right time in May 2020. In February 2021, things are not better. And as you just pointed out, it's freezing cold right now, literally one degree outside. So what are you guys trying to do to raise awareness about this? Because as you said, this came up on a Friday night to put it uh, into action on a Monday. Right. Absolutely, Cameron. So we do have an action alert out, which I will forward to you again so that you can um, post, you know, anywhere where folks um you know, can see it. Uh, and the action alert, you know, it's a really easy way for you to um, call your senator, you know, and tell them not to override the veto of the bill. There will also be a gathering um, 9 a.m. in front of the state house, mm-hmm. which will be led by Family Promise of Greater Indianapolis. Um, so folks, please bundle up, you know, if you plan to go out there, um, bring a sign and let your voice be heard. Uh, this bill is incredibly detrimental. We already know that the city of Indianapolis in particular has a very high rate um, and number of evictions generally, right? And the fact that this bill is not just going to affect Indianapolis, it'll affect the entire state. And because we already know, um, you know, what issues we have with eviction, this bill would really just extend the powers that landlords have mm-hmm. to evict tenants, even during you know, um, this CDC eviction moratorium and even during these white flag conditions, right? If a, t- if a landlord wanted to, you know, with this bill, if it were to be passed, they could evict someone on the basis of them just wanting to do renovations, right? And mm-hmm. we already know um, just from our work at Prosperity that when it comes to eviction court, it's more oftentimes than not that tenants don't have legal representations and um, landlords do. And so, you know, the scales are really tipped into the favor of landlords already. And so we really just want, you know, the Indiana General Assembly to not do more harm um, because tenants are already going through it. You know, the thing about these bills, like I said, this bill is so long, like the the wording of it is super long. And it's only like the last three sentences that have anything to do with what we're talking about. What they are trying to do is in black and white in all of these bills. You guys can go read them for yourself. Go to the uh, uh, Indiana Attorney, excuse me, Indiana General Assembly website. It's IGA, uh, what I want to say, it's IGA.gov, but let me just double check as I say that on the radio um, because it's just saved as a bookmark on my uh, on my computer. Um, but if you go there, uh, type in Indiana General Assembly, you can read about all these bills. Natalie and uh, Andrew, while it's black and white, what they're trying to do, what I don't understand is the why. 
Why are they trying to do this? I think that's a great question, Cameron, because this bill, it came in at the last second, last session. And what's never happened from then to now, there's never been a full public hearing where the public has been able to testify and weigh in. This is, as Natalie mentioned, it's a very unbalanced bill. It leaves a lot of holes when it comes to tenant retaliation. Um, And so what's happening tomorrow is members of the Hoosier Housing Needs Coalition this is our chance. This is our chance to make our voices heard because um, uh, homelessness prevention folks, tenants' rights folks, any sort of housing stability concerns have never been weighed into this leg- legislative process. To this day, it's been almost a year um, since this bill was first introduced. So what we're asking uh, the Senate to do is to pause, take a look around, take the voices into account of the people who would be impacted the most which include black and brown Hoosiers, which include those who have been laid off by COVID and who have, um, who have had housing instability. And what we need to do is step back. And if we're going to make big changes to Indiana's landlord-tenant laws, we need to make sure that we have those tenants and housing providers and public health experts all weigh in first. Uh, all of the bills that we've talked about this morning and anything being proposed across the state of Indiana, you can read on the Indiana General Assembly website. I almost had it. It's iga.in.gov. And you can click on legislation and then you can click on uh, bills and it'll bring up every single bill. If you want to do it by, you know, legislator, you can type in what legislator you want to see what Aaron Freeman is up to. You can click on Aaron Freeman. It brings up everything that he's done uh, this year. That's on the website. Go there for yourself. Uh, we've got five minutes left in the show. I know we've got some questions on the uh, live line here. Uh, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. Uh, before we uh, end the show, uh, Natalie and Andrew, we will talk about, again, the efforts that you guys are asking people uh, to get involved with tomorrow. For now, to the phones. Caller on uh, line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, I'm sorry, but I've seen these efforts before at the state house, Cameron. 30 seconds. Where there's a phony opposition, and that what this is is ethnic cleansing. And you can't call it any other thing to put people out in the street in the middle of winter, uh, but part of this because of Bill Crawford. And what the Democrats done the last time they were in uh, session, but uh, in control. But uh, it all fits hand in hand. These are statutory schemes. And the people you have on there now, they must be aware that this isn't something that happened overnight. It may be a short paragraph that they're adding, but it goes along with another short paragraph to make uh, the dream complete. So this is ethnic cleansing. All right. Thank you, Larry. Let me go to another call who's been standing by. 317-239-9696. Caller, good morning. You're live on the air. Who's this? Cameron. Yes, hello. Good morning, Dick. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Who's this? Okay, William Tate. I'm a retired educator from IPS, Cameron. This is my second call. Call. Okay, well, thank you for uh, listening and calling in. Appreciate it. What's on your mind? Cameron, may I take the opportunity to express my gratitude to you? I'm very impressed with you taking on an awesome responsibility, and thank you for opening the eyes of the community. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you for your service as an educator, sir. I appreciate that. Okay, Cameron, I have one small question. All right. I'll do my best to answer. We're coming to the end of the show, so hit it. Cameron, is there a Bill 319 state bill? Uh, well, let me see. Let's go to bills. What Was it a Senate bill or was it a House bill? I believe it was a House bill, but I'm not sure if I'm on track, Cameron. Uh, Okay, let me see. Let's go to the House bills, 319. No, uh, there is a Senate bill, 319. And does it have something to do with driving cards? No, Cameron. I thought it was one with zoning. That's 392. Right. Is there a difference between a House bill and the uh, state bill? Uh, There can be. um, It it will go through different versions so the senators can you can the senators can propose the exact same bill as the house where they get different numbers and they're worded slightly different but when they come together they usually merge it into one big bill so thank depends. you i'm with you all the time cameron thank you so much sir i appreciate it it's good to hear from you
All right, uh, three minutes left in the show. Appreciate that call. Uh, trying to get everybody the information that they need to know because a lot is happening. A lot is going down. Uh, Natalie, Andrew, you guys are asking folks to get together. It's going to be cold tomorrow. It's cold today. But nevertheless, a lot more people, uh, not to be cute, but a lot more people could be cold and out in it with no choice uh, if SEA 148 goes through. You guys are asking people to get involved. Right. Absolutely. And that's not the only way that folks can get involved. So we completely understand if you cannot make it out in front of the state house. Um, and one other way, you know, that you can get involved is if you go to Prosperity Indiana's website under um, the Action Center, we have an action alert out where you can use, use the link to call your senator directly. Um, and one thing that we really, um, really want to push is that it is essential that we uh, really maintain contact with our senators. We really want to be able, you know, not just senators, but representatives as well, and really hold them accountable. It's important for us to build relationships, and we cannot assume that they know everything, right? Exactly. And so it's our job also to keep them informed because, you know, if they say they never do, we want to make sure we can say, no, no, no but we, I contacted you and I spoke to you about that. So absolutely. Um, you've go got to 30 Prosperity Indiana's website. So you've got 30 seconds. You can go to the Prosperity uh, Indiana website and do what else? And um, use the action alert to call your senator. Um, and Andrew, if you want to add anything. The last thing that I would add is just, um, as Natalie said, these senators haven't necessarily heard from their community. They haven't been given that opportunity. So we want to encourage them to not only vote no on expanding or allowing SCA 148, the eviction bill, to become law. We want them to speak up to their colleagues. Um, we need them to stand up on behalf of uh, one-third of Hoosiers who are renters and make sure that we don't expand and expedite evictions during this COVID winter. Andrew and Natalie, thank you for waking up with us, starting our week and alerting us, alerting me uh, to something that I would I would have missed this um, yeah, had you not reached out, Natalie. So thank you. And I know you were trying to call last week. Uh, to let us know, but I appreciate you both coming on the show and uh, getting us up to speed. So tomorrow, as I got like 30 seconds left before I have to get off the air, uh, you guys will be uh, in front of the state house. What, what, what's the time? What's the location, guys? Real quick. At 9 a.m. at the corner of Market and Capital, right outside the state house. All right. Bundle up. All right, bundle up. It is going to be cold. It's cold today. One degrees right now in Indianapolis. It is literally freezing. Check on your folks and make sure everybody is doing okay. Awesome show today. Awesome calls. Awesome information. We'll be back to do the exact same thing next Sunday live at 8 on Hot. More music is just seconds away. And on WTLC, here comes Al with the Hour of Power. I'm Cameron Riddle. We'll see you next Sunday live at 8.